word of God says the following, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with them Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, the two sons of Zebedee are John and James, he began to be sorrowful and prayed and, and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here. And the left side said, Watch with me. The left side said, Watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not? And the right side, side, uh, right side said, Watch with me. You could not watch with me one hour. And everybody said, Watch and pray. That you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So we began, we began on a journey uh, that we have titled Living the Way. And uh, on this journey, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, stretched out to the whole of the, uh, the, whole, the rest of the year. It's going to be stretched out to the rest of the year. And um, um, we're going to make three, three termly stops. Um, in this, in this uh, year, uh, in this um, uh, series. The three stops we're going to make, uh, number, the, the, the first one, that which is already what we're looking at, is being with Jesus. And uh, this is, this, at this moment, we, we have taken our glasses and put on our glasses, and we're looking at the lens of being with Jesus, what it takes to be with Jesus, what it takes and what it means to be with Jesus. Like with any journey, when you embark on any journey, it starts off with excitement. There is anticipation. There is uh, 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 expectancy. You can ask uh, Vesey and, 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 and Quinton that everything is going to go well. When they planned to go to the Czech Republic, they thought everything was going to go well as they had planned. But sometimes in, in any journey, there are certain surprises that we meet along the journey. There are certain surprises, that are, whether it's, a, it's turbulence in the plane or uh, um, the, engine is, um, the engine gets uh, damaged along the way or there is a burst tire. There is always something along the way that can turn the, 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 the holiday or the honeymoon, uh, turn it into a nightmare or an adventure. And this is all Depended on how you look at it and how it ends up at the end of the day. As we look at being with Jesus Christ, our being with Jesus Christ is a journey. It is a relationship. All relationships start with expectancy, with anticipation and expectation. All relationships start that way. Until in that relationship, there are certain demands that come and that relationship it quickly turns to, uh, into a new dimension. When, when that relationship starts demanding your time, it starts demanding your, 
your, your, your space, it starts demanding your presence, it starts demanding you to be there. That relationship can quickly cha change and, and become, uh, can, can put a demand on that relationship. And uh, they, they, it's like a litmus test on, that, on the relationship how, of how close you are. Have you ever been sick or you've had a loved one uh, pass away or you've gone through a patch of time where, where you've had a, a rough time and people come around you, they, they, they counsel you, they, 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 call, they, they encourage you, they come around you and then hug you, but there's that one person that you expect to come and give you that encouragement. Even the person that you least expect to come uh, to and, and to give you encouragement may come and give you encouragement, but the encouragement that comes from that one person makes the whole world a difference. And the reason why you expect that person to come and to be there with you is because you believe that relationship has gone to a new level. There's something new about that relationship. That you have stepped into. So you expect that person to be there with you in the good, the bad, the terrible. You expect that person to be there with you. Such is the story that we've just read in Matthew 26. It's about a relationship that just came to the fringes and stopped to the fr at the fringes. A surface level relationship. A relationship that wasn't willing to go through the trenches was willing to sit in the couches. You see, Jesus in Matthew 26, that was his lowest moment in his whole life. He was burdened. He was truly burdened by what was about to transpire. Because as he thought about what was about to transpire, he thought of his, his friend was about to betray him. Ladies and gentlemen, Judas was not Jesus' enemy. He was his friend. You don't, keep, you, don't, you don't let the person that hates you keep the money. He was a treasurer. You, his father was about to forsake him. Jesus' father was about to forsake him. His own countrymen were about to spit on him and beat him up. And the people that he died for were about to nail him on the cross. And as he thought about what was about to happen in his life, he thought, who best can I have around me? to be with me at this moment. And he thought of three people. And these three people, he, he, the reason why he, he chose them, Peter, John, and James, the reason why he chose them is because they were very close. You would expect the person that you walk with and you, you, are, you are with it, it will be there in, your most, in the lowest moment of your life. He had, Jesus had gone to a, mount, a, a mountain and he had been transfigured and they had seen his glory. So Jesus thought, these people, in my most lowest moment, these three will be with me. They had seen Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. He thought, at my lowest, most lowest moment, these three would raise up my hands like Aaron and her raised Moses' hands. And they would raise me up and strengthen me in this moment that I'm going through. If we're going to be with Jesus Christ... It's not all about the good times and the fun times that we have. It's not about singing Kumbaya, my Lord, only. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to be with Jesus, there's some tough times that we're going to go through. And we need to go through those tough times with Jesus. The good times build the relationship. The tough times strengthen the relationship. 
In Philippians 3 verse 10, the Word of God says the following. It says, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And most people put a full stop there. Because they think that the, the knowing God is just the power and the, 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 the glory and the, the fun times that you experience, the miracles that you experience, seeing God having done a wonderful blessing in your life, and we put a full stop and go to the next verse. But knowing God is connected to the next lines and share in His sufferings. That is part of knowing God, sharing in His sufferings. You cannot separate the two. We, 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 you cannot separate the couch and the trench. It's both, it's both or nothing. If you're going to know God and you're going to be with Him, you have to be willing to share in His sufferings. And to share in His sufferings, you need to be connected to God. It's very important for you and I to be connected to God. And the, if you're going to be connected to God, the first thing of, uh, before, if you're going to be connected to God is that you need to be saved. They, the, Jesus said there is, uh, there is no way you can see the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot see the Father except through me. So it is important for you to be born again. And we would like to help those who have not never received Jesus Christ uh, as Lord and Savior. After the service, please just see one of the leaders, one of the elders. Uh, they will help you in that process of being born again. But once you are born again, it is important for you to stay connected through the Word of God and through prayer. And today I'm going to talk about prayer. I'm going to talk about what it means to, to be in prayer. Because most people do not, do not value that thing called prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is, is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's, it's you communicating with God and Him talking back to you. It is, it is, it's you conversing with God. It's not a narrative of all your problems and all your, the situations that you're going through. It is a conversation. It is you fellowshipping with God. Have you ever sat with somebody who, who just constantly told you their problems? I bet you you wouldn't want to sit with them uh, or have coffee with them after uh, when they will call you and say, let's have another meeting. Prayer is a dialogue. It's you communicating with God and God communicating to you. It's you being open and God being open to you. Our perfect example of, of, a, of a life lived in prayer is Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a, a life that was a, a, a made up of a regular routine of prayer. In Luke 22, verse 39, the same story that we just read in, in, uh, in Matthew 26, verse 36 to, to 46, Luke adds in a very imp important uh, uh, piece of information. He says, and he came out and went as his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. This, is a, this portion of Scripture is talking about Jesus going to Matthew 26, verse uh, for, uh, 36 to uh, 46, to the Mount, uh, to, to Gethsemane, to the Mount of Olives. He goes there. What does he go to do? He goes there to pray. It was his custom to pray. Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. In Mark 1, verse uh, 35, Days and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Luke 5, verse 15 and 16. 
And now even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to, a desolate, place, to desolate places and pray. Jesus lived a life of prayer. His lifestyle was prayer. A custom is a habit. It's a routine of doing certain things. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a manner of doing uh, a certain things, not to tick the box. You don't bask to, to tick a box. If you do that, you have a serious problem. And there will be people up here later on who are willing to counsel you and pray for you. They might have a bucket of water and soap to help you uh, to enjoy bathing. But you don't bath to tick a box. You don't do that. This week, um, I, got, I got a phone call from, from, uh, uh, from, so from my friends, and they, they told me that there was fuel. Uh, this is all related to, to prayer still, but there was fuel. And yes, you owe, we owe, uh, to show you that I pray, this person phoned me and said there was fuel uh, at a certain garage, and it was a stage one uh, fuel queue. If you do not know what a stage one fuel queue is, a stage one fuel queue is, uh, is uh, zero to 20 cars. A stage two fuel queue is 20 to 60 cars. A Stage 3 a fuel queue is, is uh, 60 to 100 cars. A stage 4 fuel queue is 100 and beyond. So it was a stage 1 fuel queue. And when I got there, I think I, uh, I ended up being number 22. So I was now stage 2 uh, uh, section. But um, the, the, the tanker had just decanted. Uh, and that tanker was 1203. If you know your fuel queues very, you know, very well, you know what 1203 is. I'm not talking, talking in code. If you do not, if you've never been in a fuel queue, go to people who have been in fuel queue and ask them what 1203 means. But tanker 1203 had just decanted and just left. And the, the fuel queue started moving. And as I said earlier on, life is all a matter about how you, you look at it. You can be in a fuel queue and think this country is terrible. Or you can have some fun. And guess what? I started having some fun. I say to my friends, it would be cool if we could take a cone and put it in the car behind me. If you don't understand what a fuel queue is, you'll understand. I'll quickly explain. A cone on top of a car means that the fuel will finish with that car. I don't know how they do it, but it will finish with that car. So we decided we would look for a cone and put it on top of the car which was behind me. And um, as we, as we uh, continued moving on, we happened to see a cone that was a demarcation of you uh, uh, so that you wouldn't encroach on a driveway and uh, uh, to a business uh, uh, unit. So we, we asked the guard, can we use this cone and put it at the car behind which my friend was driving? And he said, no, that would be, that would be really fun. So he gave us the cone and we put it in the car right behind me. And as soon as we put the cone at the car behind me, people jumped out, jumped out of their car. They started asking, no, it's impossible that the fuel can be finished because we saw the tanker just decanting. Ladies and gentlemen, some people's prayers are just like those people who jumped out of the cars. When they see the cone of danger and things happening, bad things happening, then they come out to pray. 
It is not a lifestyle of prayer, but it's just a lifestyle of seeing problems, and then they begin to pray. I call those emergency prayers. I call those ICU prayers. It is, we, we, we need, uh, it needs a, a specialist to take care of those prayers. It's not a lifestyle of prayer, but we, we are coming in because my life is now affected. My, 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 the way I, I do my life and the way I see life and the, the way I've lived, my life is now being affected. Therefore, I will start praying. Prayer is a lifestyle. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, the word, the word of God says, and this is the shortest, second shortest uh, verse in the Bible. It says, pray always. Pray always. There's a great man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. He was used by, mightily by God in miracles, signs, and wonders. And he, a reporter asked him this question, how often do you pray in a day? And this was his response. He said, I don't ever pray any longer than 20 minutes, but I never go 20 minutes without praying. That is what you call a lifestyle of prayer. Always being in prayer. Always being connected with God. And Jesus Christ gave us some simple practical ways for you and I to pray. I'm not going to teach you how to pray, but I'm going to teach you or give you instances of when you can pray, practical ways you can, you can find and, and make sure that your, life, your, your prayer life is growing. The first thing is, number one, it's uh, set a time. It's important for you to set a time when you're going to pray. And in setting a time, set how long you're going to pray. It's very important for you. The disciples, this, the Bible says, when they were going to the temple in the hour of prayer, there was a time set and it was going to be, uh, it was a time set and it was an hour of prayer. They saw, set a time, set a place and a time for you to pray. The Bible says, that as we read in Mark 1 verse 35, early in the morning, whilst it was still dark, Jesus prayed. But in another portion of Scripture, Jesus also prayed in the evening. In uh, Matthew 14, verse 23, it says, After he has sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. You see, friends, when you sit, when you see God first in anything that you do, whether it's your day, a meeting, or anything else that you do, you set the foundation for what God is going to do in that day or meeting. It's very important for us to seek God first. Number two, seclusion. Find a place where you can be alone. Very important for you not to have disturbances and, and clutter. Getting alone frees your mind and gives your mind the white space that it needs to conceptualize life-transforming spiritual things. It's very important for you to have that white space. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here whilst I go and pray. But we have it the other way in, 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 in our lives these days. We have it, uh, we've flipped it in a way we say, I will sit here and I will pray later. Our Christianity has become a, 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 a psychologist uh, uh, couch where we talk problems, but we, go, we don't go to the one who can deal with the problems. 
We want to talk about the problems, but we don't go to the one who can deal with the problem. So we have we become, we've become apologetic and we're polite to people. Earlier on, you read and you saw the Bible says the crowds were growing and Jesus left the crowd and went to a desolate place. The crowds needed Jesus. They needed healing, but he left them and he went to be with his father. And how many times are we willing to do that? To leave all those noises and all those, those, uh, those demands that come with life, leave them alone and go and pray. Normally, because it's the most private place, I hope, I go to the toilet and pray. And the number that I'm concerned with in that place when I'm praying is Jeremiah 33 verse 3. No other number, but just that number, 33 verse 3. Which says, call unto me, and I will answer you. I will answer you. Sometimes I'll even join a fuel queue, wanting six liters of fuel, because I know that I'm there for two hours, and that no one would disturb me, and I'll be able to pray to God and focus and be in touch with God. Third thing, be spontaneous, spontaneous times important for you and I not to, to be so rigid in the times and the places that we pray, but we need to be spontaneous when we pray. In Matthew 11 verse 25, says the following, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you Father, Lord of heaven. I want to focus on those words, at that time. No one can tell us what time it was. He heard a report. He heard the disciples telling him something. And at that time, we don't know the time, but at that time, he prayed. He prayed at that time. And the reason why he, it's, because, it's not because of, the, of, of, uh, of being governed by time and place. He was governed by the overflow of gratitude and the overflow of revelation of who, of who God was. Most times you, you may find yourself in a place and you realize God is good and therefore you get down on your knees or you put your head down and, 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 uh, and you begin to pray. Be spontaneous in prayer. Stay con connected because being spontaneous stay, makes you stay connected. Stay connected. Jesus asked his disciples to watch with them. He asked his disciples to watch with him. He was not asking them to be passive uh, spectators, but he was asking them to be active participators. He was asking them to be connected and stay connected to him. It's important for you and I to stay connected, and we do this through prayer and watching. The word translated watch uh, means to be vigilant. It means to be alert. It means to be fully awake. It means to be aware and intently focused like a guard. A night watchman uh, is more vigilant than a day, daytime guard. A night watchman will use more senses other than the sense of sight to detect danger. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples were overcome by sleep. Their eyes became op uh, wide open shut open wide shut. They, they, they were like those people who sit in church always fishing. 
You know what, you, what, what, when we talk about fishing, what we mean? You're trying to stay awake, but you're already asleep. You think you're awake, but you're sleeping. And most people are like that because their lives are not in prayer. They're like Samson. They get up thinking, I'm still strong, but they don't realize the locks have been cut. I, can, I will go and defeat my enemies as I used to do, but they don't realize their locks have been cut. And, then they, but, and they can't break the chains, and they remain bound. It is important for you and I to, to find time to pray and be watchful. The disciples, had a, uh, they, 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 their physical need for sleep overpowered their, phys, their, their desire to be with Jesus Christ. And because their physical need for sleep was the thing that won, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. They eventually slept. And in sleeping, they could not watch with God. And in not watching with God, temptation struck. And in temptation struck, they denied Jesus Christ and they were no longer with him. There was a sequence that followed. So if you and I are going to be with Christ, we need to understand that we need to pray and stay connected to, to, to God. Peter denied Jesus Christ because he wasn't watching with Christ. The disciples in Mark 14 verse 50 says they left him and fled. In Mark 14 verse 51, it says there's another individual who ran away naked. doesn't mention the name. So ladies and gentlemen, when you do not pray, when you are not watchful, your relationship with God becomes exposed. You are exposed. And the devil is seeking for such people. He's seeking for those who are not in a place of prayer. Because Jesus said, my, my sheep hear my voice. If my sheep is not hearing my voice, he is, he is not or he or she is not connected. They are so far away and they are disconnected from me. Therefore, the, 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 the devil, like a roaring lion, will come and devour him. They, that's why the Bible says in, in uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, be sober and watchful. You need to be sober and watchful because you will be devoured. I close with this. Colossians 4 verse 2 says the following. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. It is important for you and I to be thankful, and, but also to be watchful and prayerful in, way, in whatever situation we find ourselves. The reason why most people, the reason why most people do not, do not know the will of God, when times of trial come along and, and, and uh, difficult times come, they quickly say, Lord, let this cup pass. Because we think we were not made to suffer. We think we were not made to go through trouble and situations and hard, hard times in life. Therefore, we say, let this cup pass. But in the time of prayer, you realize that cup is actually God doing something. God is doing something, but we want that cup to pass, but we don't realize in that cup there is God's will. And therefore, because we don't, we, we, we think we are not made for, 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 for trouble and persecution and all those other things, we let that cup pass and we miss the will of God. Because we're not in prayer.
Psalms 91. I don't know how to put this. I've, I've been batting with it, um, really batting with it. But I stood and saw, and it's, it, it, I'm trying to get the words, but I stood and saw the earth's plates collide with such violence like I've never seen before. And I saw continents go down and continents come up. Africa literally come up. Then from there I saw I saw wind like I've never seen before. This wind was so violent it tore people's homes. It tore people's homes, their li livelihood and I saw people kneel down and hide. And curse God. Famine, because of that wind, came upon the earth. Cattle died like no man's business. And people were sick. But then I saw a church and as I walked into that church, I saw people on their knees praying. It was the only building that was not touched. Then I heard God say in a loud voice, I will be glorified. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, by day, nor the pestilence that stalks at night, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angel concerning you and guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot, because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. 
he will be with me, I, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father, we give you thanks and praise. Amen.